This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're getting our littles ready for a new little in episode number 138. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. I am really excited to be with you today because we are going to talk about a question that I often hear, and I think that after eight babies, I have a little bit of wisdom on this topic. That's preparing your child for a new sibling. It always feels a little bit intimidating on many different levels for a mama to think about welcoming a new sibling. You're excited. At the same time, especially if you're going from one to two, you might worry about how do I make room in my life for a new baby? How will my child react? And I have honestly found that it really, it depends a lot on the older sibling. Or I think it has as much to do with birth order or as much to do with if you have one or if you have nine or if you have 11. It really just has to do with the older child, him or herself. And so you're going to use some of your wisdom as a mom to think things through because you know your child best. But I'm going to give you some general tips or rules of thumb that... I've come to know over welcoming seven new babies, since we have eight total, seven new babies, things that I know can help you get your little one ready to be a big brother or a big sister. My first recommendation is one that you've likely heard before, and that's make major changes either early or wait. So some major changes that come to mind are changing sleeping. So if your toddler is in bed with you right now, or if your toddler is in your room right now, you may want to think about, do I want him or her to stay in this sleeping arrangement when the new baby gets here? So for our family, what that's usually looked like is I typically during pregnancy, if I still have an older baby or a toddler who's co-sleeping, I don't want to co-sleep anymore once my pregnant belly gets a little bit bigger. It's just not comfortable for me. And our babies have tended to be kickers. So I've usually moved the child out onto a toddler bed or a pack and play or something in our room. But usually... Uh, our current baby stays in our bedroom until a new baby comes along. So that's the situation that I think a lot of families find themselves in. And you have to decide, do I want to move this child or not? And for us, we've usually continued to have the toddler in our room until we're getting close to the point where we're ready for the new baby to be the one who's in mama and daddy's room but isn't uh, co-sleeping anymore. So... For us, our choice is usually, okay, if the baby's still in our bed or the toddler's still in our bed, it's time to move to a separate sleeping space in mama and daddy's room. Uh, But as far as moving to their own room, or in our case, moving to a room with siblings, usually we wait on that so the new baby has been here for a while. So those are two sleeping choices that our family makes a little bit differently. And you'll want to think about it if you're still co-sleeping Do you want to continue co-sleeping with a toddler uh, in the bed with your newborn? And this isn't a co-sleeping episode, so we won't go into all of that, but it's just an example. Another thing that a lot of parents wonder about is potty training. And if so if you've been ECing your baby, 
you might decide, I would really like to just finish up. Or if you have an older toddler or a preschooler and you just want to get potty training done with, you may decide, I just want to go ahead and do this before I have a new baby to think about. So those are big decisions. And if you want to undertake those things, which I think it's totally up to you with either one of those examples or anything else that you're considering, then go ahead and do it early. Another thing to think about uh, would be introducing anything other that you may be thinking about introducing new or a major change to the routine. For example, if you're going to have your older child do um, preschool or go to a home daycare or hang out with grandma for a couple days a week or anything like that that represents a major change in your child's routine, maybe daddy's going to take over something like daddy's going to be the one who does bedtime for the older child. These are all changes in routine that may typically coming of a new baby. And my recommendation is that you make those changes either early before the new baby comes, well before the new baby comes, or wait until new baby's been here for a while. The reasoning behind that makes a lot of intuitive sense most of the time because you think, okay, well, I don't want to throw too much at my kid at once. Sometimes we think, well, maybe it would be better if there's already this big change going on that we just that we just group all the changes together and sometimes something like that might happen naturally for example when uh, I was pregnant with my third baby Brennan uh, I continued to nurse Asher all throughout my pregnancy right up until Brennan was born and then Brennan was born and I, I nursed Asher maybe once or twice after and then he didn't want to nurse anymore I don't know if he didn't like the taste of the colostrum or the new baby milk or whatever but he didn't want to nurse anymore. So in that case, he made the decision to wean and it coincided with his, you know, within a day or two of his new baby brother coming, he was done. So sometimes something like that may end up coinciding and then you just go with the flow. I'm trying to think of other examples. I think my um, honor, our uh, fifth baby, when Corwin, our sixth baby was born, she was... She was pretty close to being ready to graduate from ECing, but wasn't quite there yet. And so we just decided, okay, we'll wait until after Corwin arrives. Corwin arrived at the end of January, at the very end of January. And Honor just started, it was Scott who was handling most of the diapers, and Honor just started really protesting being put in diapers and so he said, well, if she doesn't want one on, I'm not I'm not going to put one on or I'll just watch her. We thought maybe she has a little rash or something starting. Well, she decided she wanted to be potty trained or she wanted to use the toilet during the day. And then he would try to put a nighttime or naptime diaper on her. And she vehemently protested that as well. And so he said, well, I'm just not going to put one on her. And that was it. She was done night and day. EC graduate, completely potty trained. That was that. So again, it was, it. I think if you, have a situation with your older child where it's that change, that significant change is very driven by the child, then you can go with the flow. But if you're thinking about instituting, say, parent-led changes, I would definitely consider doing those earlier rather than right at the same time 
your new child is coming. And again, especially issues with sleep. If you need to implement new sleep routines or anything, then go ahead and do that. In fact, the next point I wanted to go over with you is to adapt routines now. I One huge recommendation that I have is if you don't have a strong routine, go ahead and set one up. One of the things you'll hear me talking about, I've been parenting, pregnant or parenting for over 18 years now. One of the things that I have discovered can bring a family out of crisis mode, kids out of whiny mode, everybody out of unhappy mode faster than anything else as a routine. And I found today, even with cranky teenagers and and chaos, where everybody seems to be resisting you and where there's, you know, eight kids and all this other stuff going on, bringing the family together in a routine and saying, okay, we're going to follow this routine. And there's some wiggle room, like especially for the teenagers, you know, there's some wiggle room, say, in the afternoon where you can do your own thing as long as it doesn't interrupt these other people's things. But you can do your own thing. But otherwise, we're going to follow this homeschool routine. This is how we're going to do it. It just... Things just go more smoothly because people just realize this is the way that it is. And especially if you've got young children, routine brings security. I've talked a lot about that in other podcasts. Routine brings a sense of security. Your child knows what's coming next. And sometimes there's habits that haven't been established that may be helpful with a new baby. For example, when I went from one to two, from Cassidy to Asher, I didn't really have any sort of routine for Cassidy, but... Um, I, I kind of felt, again, kind of fell into it because I was a single mom at the time and I had these two babies and they're 19 months apart and I needed to be able to rock Cassidy and so I would put Asher in this little bouncy seat and bounce him with my foot while I rocked Cassidy down for her nap. She had gotten in the habit of napping because pregnant me took a nap every afternoon and then I so I can I maintain the habit of I would rock her and then I would lay her down on a little pallet beside my bed and we would sleep while I was pregnant and I needed to maintain that. So I already had kind of started working on a routine for her that coincided with my routine. And then he kind of just fell into that routine because, you know, I just needed him to do that. And so think about your day. If you feel totally overwhelmed, you're like, I hate routines or I don't know where to start then the easiest places I would say to start are with meals and with rest. So when are we going to eat breakfast? When are we going to eat lunch? When are we going to eat supper? And when are we going to nap or rest? When's bedtime? When are we going to wake up in the mornings? And you can experiment a little. Things aren't always going to look the same. Things have varied dramatically across all the years of, of our family from up and we have breakfast at 6.30 to today where we sleep in a little longer. We don't have any uh, critters on the farm right now aside from a puppy. And so we don't have to be up quite so early. So I like being up early to get a little bit of time for mom, but I actually let the kids sleep a little bit later so that I have that time for me, um, time to talk with Scott. And so the kids are having breakfast at around 8.30 right now. So it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to dictate times. I'm not going to dictate bedtimes again. Our bedtimes have, when I only had young babies, they went to bed at 7 o'clock. I listened to a radio program every evening at 7, rocked my babies while we listened, read them a couple books, and then put them to bed. And and I kind of had some sane time for myself then. 
Uh, today, again, my kids are getting up a little later, so they stay up a little later. Around 9 is bedtime. I actually honestly will tell you I think that around 7-ish to 7.30 is a more ideal time for young children. But when you have teenagers in the mix to some of that shifts, and they don't go to bed at 9, but they have to go to bed at like 10 or 10.30 because the rule is, is y'all go to bed before I go to bed. <laughs> so anyways, but that's just, you know, think about your routine and set a routine in place. And there's other components of a routine and like I said, I've got other podcast episodes about that. I can try and link to those um, in the sh- like in the show notes. But having a routine in place will ease things in, and it's helpful to your baby. But your baby's not automatically going to be part of a routine. But like Asher, like I found with Asher, if you're consistent every day, you're probably going to find ways that the baby just adapts to the routine, and you're and it gives you that that ability to make sure that your older child still has that same stability that they had. It still feels familiar to them. And it helps you prioritize, okay, mom is still going to rock me down for my nap like I did with Cassidy and or sing to me or read stories with me. So it just helps you be a little more intentional about both introducing the new baby and also uh, preserving some normality for your older child and some some mom and, and, uh, and preschool or toddler time if they need that. Okay, a couple more things that you've probably heard before, but I think are worthwhile to mention nonetheless. One is read books about becoming an older sibling. Um, Our absolute favorite is uh, the name of the book. I think the name of the book is just Julius, but it might be Julius is the baby of the world. But anyways, the book Julius is just, it is an adorable book. It's, um, I can't remember the author right now. I should have come prepared with notes but it's it's mice so you'll see jewel i think the book is itself is called julius our copy is a yellow hardcover it's about mice and the big sister mouse is really enthralled with the idea of having a new baby she's very excited initially and then the new baby comes and she's no longer so enthusiastic and then at the end, uh, I won't spoil it for you, but at the end, something happens to make her feel protective and proud of her baby brother, who is Julius, uh, who becomes Julius is the baby of the world. And it's just, it's a really great book. My kids, especially my oldest three when we were expecting Galen, really, really, really enjoyed reading uh us reading that book aloud to them. So there are lots of other books. Um, Some are going to feel like a good fit for your family. Some aren't. But what I did was just go to our children's library and ask the librarian. They actually have a list of books at our library that are for, um, you know, older siblings becoming new siblings. And a lot of them are just fun and simple. And you can browse through them and pick ones that you feel resonate with you and your family and and how you want to approach a new baby. But those books can be really validating because they explore the experiences and the ambivalence of, of older siblings. And it can just be a really fun way to introduce the concept of a new baby and feelings that a child might have with a new baby coming. Another thing that I think can be really important, especially if you're going one, two, uh, two, two, or if it's been a while since you've welcomed a new baby in your family, is is for for your child to be around babies. 
So if you're coming from a big family or from uh, like from a La Leche League or play group where library story times where there are always babies around, your child may be more familiar, but a lot of times kids aren't around a lot of babies except for their new siblings. So that's that can be a good thing. Uh, it's important to keep in mind things like sensory sensitivities for older kids. How are they feeling about the sounds that babies make? Babies can cry. Newborns can have a really piercing cry that it can even make adults, set adults on edge. So consider those kinds of sensory uh, concerns. I think this is one place where the internet can be a boon. You can find YouTube videos that show babies crying or show babies doing things that babies typically do like nursing babies or babies playing and laughing or babies sleeping and that sort of thing just so that your child gets used to, okay, this is what babies do and this is what babies sound like. And especially if you can be around babies, then just getting a feel for how babies act and what babies need. And I'm not one to teach kids to tiptoe around babies. In fact, um, I had a friend over recently and the, the guys were switching out our washing machine actually. And she was, <laughs> she was asking me, where's Phoenix? Um, because she had gotten there and the guys are switching out this washing machine. They're making an awful racket and Phoenix hadn't been around. And I pointed and said, he's, he's snoozing in our bedroom, which our bedroom is kind of catty corner to the laundry room in my house. So, you know, these guys are hollering each other about installing the washing machine right there. Like literally Phoenix is just on the other side of the door napping, but he just, he just slept through it all. And I think a big part of that is because he's baby number eight and our house is never quiet, even with a, a closed door. And so he was just snoozing right through it. So I don't think that we necessarily need to teach our kids if there's a sleeping baby, you have to be completely quiet. But for them to see other babies, oh, the baby's resting now, we're going to use library voices or oh, you know, the baby doesn't want you to get right up in his or her face. Don't touch the baby without asking. One thing that young children will often do is um, they kind of paw at babies. I think for them it's, uh, you know, it's part of how they learn about the world. Think about babies, older babies themselves put everything in their mouths. And toddlers and preschoolers stay really tactile. So they're always touching. And I think especially if you have a child who say their love language is touch, um, our Sadie's love language is definitely touch. They're going to be more touchy and babies often don't like being pawed at and especially not having their faces touched all over. So being around babies, you can start to teach your child or just notice what tendencies your child have and things like we need to ask the baby's mama for permission before we touch the baby or oh no we need to take a break from the baby and just starting to help your child understand that there are boundaries with babies can be really helpful and again just be aware of sensory concerns that your child may have so that you can start thinking of a game plan now you know if you if you know that say you're going to be on edge because your newborn has been crying and you can't get them to stop crying what are you going to do to help your older child handle that? Um, that could be letting them go into another room. Maybe uh, even if you don't normally do headphones, you could have headphones and music or something that your older child is able to listen to. Something like they have um, 
they're called cozy phones the ones that we have there's probably other brands but they come in like little child's they're basically like a little cloth sweatband and they have headphones in them and they go over a child's ears i think they were originally designed for airplanes when little kids are on airplanes but for us those have worked really well because they don't fall off the child's head (laughs) um and that could be something so or going into a room that has a white noise machine on or something when the baby's crying just to help block that out so those are strategies that you're going to want to think about if your older child is particularly sensitive other things to do are plan some fun activities or special things that your child can do while they're while you're going to be attending to your baby I know that I've done this before several of my baby's births put together activity kits. They don't have to be much, you know, coloring books, maybe some fun treats. I'm talking like dollar store level things here, but it's just the novelty of it, the newness of it. And you can even, you know, maybe let them have that in and say a little um, like a little Rubbermaid bin or something like that, a little reusable storage bin. And they get it for a little bit on the first day, but then it gets put away so that it only comes out when you're going to sit down and nurse the baby or something like that. Other classics that older children often like are a baby doll that they themselves have and they can take care of the baby doll while you're taking care of the baby. This can also, of course, be extended to helping with the baby um, him or herself. So bringing you a diaper or handing you the baby's potty if you're ECing, um handing you a wipe that you need for the baby, picking out socks for the baby, bringing you a new blanket. Those are all things, especially uh, young toddlers and preschoolers thrive on this kind of thing. If you have an older child, they may be able to help more substantially. Like when you're nursing, can you refill my water bottle, darling? Or could you get me some cheese and crackers and then we'll have a snack together while I'm nursing the baby? So those are ways that you can include your child and make these times when the baby care is more intensive, special for you and your child. I really like activity books. They tend to help. Um, I know that today one of the things that could be special is there may be app time or TV. I mean, sometimes I use those tools. I'm guilty of it today. My older kids are at youth camp. Um, they kind of didn't do cleanup they were supposed to do before they left. And I've got studying and things that I'm I'm trying to do as well as uh, take care of the little ones and so I motivated the little ones by we're gonna clean for 20 minutes and then we'll watch um, we'll watch an episode of Adventures and Odyssey or something that they want to watch and then we did that a couple times so they were motivated by a couple shows so that could be something that you do I've welcomed most of my babies before uh, super ease of access to Netflix and Uh, Amazon Prime and everything came into being so it wasn't quite so easy to have shows on tap or on demand Um, so I have some suggestions that are outside of that arsenal and I think that they're really good too another thing that can work really well especially again if you've got older kids like school-age kids is if you begin a read aloud during your pregnancy like a chapter book and so they know that when you sit down to nurse the baby you're going to read a chapter or a portion of a chapter. So just thinking about things like that that can be doled out in small increments or that can be taken out only while you're nursing the baby. 
those can be incentives that make that time special. And again, like I was talking about asking an older kid to make a snack and then say we're going to share the snack together, sometimes while you're nursing, your newborn can just really be a good time to connect with your older child because you're on the couch nursing the baby and your older child can come snuggle on the other side of you or, um, you know, they just know that it's it's that time with you. You're going to read a story to them. You're going to cuddle with them. And I know that for me, I, I've always enjoyed reading while in those early newborn days when you're nursing so much is some time to get a book in. But also keep in mind that it can be a time to connect with your newborn or especially to connect with older children. Just sit and talk and listen. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other kind of practical things about that. I think that, yeah, I think that covers those. Another alternative or another addition to that is, and this could be good, especially if you have a child who's really got some sensorial issues, is really sensitive to the baby noises, or if, if your baby is fussy or anything like that. Sometimes having special things planned for your older child. So, you're going to be able to go play with grandma. I know that uh, I attended a birth and the new baby came, adorable baby boy, and big sister was just not terribly enthralled with this new baby. She was a little bit older. I want to say she was probably kindergarten, first grade age. And this new intruder who suddenly took all the attention off of her was difficult well, I can remember we went back for a follow-up appointment with uh, with the family, and Grandma was there. And the the older child, she was just really sulky. She was actually sitting under the table, basically sulking. And Grandma said, let's go out. Let's go take a walk. Uh, the family had a little bit of property, so they went and walked a big yard, walked and explored. And you could kind of see them out the window while we were doing the follow-up appointment for the for the new baby and grandma and older sister came back in close to the end of the appointment and just the change in the older child's demeanor was really really evident probably a combination of being outside and just having that delightful undivided attention from grandma she came back in she was really eager to interact and of course I think she got some positive reinforcement because by that time we were winding down the appointment and mom was ready to hear how her adventure with grandma had gone and gush over her and of course the midwife team was gushing over her and excited for her so the attention was shifted back to her for a bit and that kind of thing can just be really refreshing this is a reason why you might consider like we talked about at the opening of the podcast if you're going to make some changes for example shifting a routine to daddy like say the bedtime routine this is a reason you might intentionally consider that so that That is time that is just for that child. Um, And something you might think about as the baby gets a little bit older, I think in the early days, newborns really want to be with mama. But once your newborn is to where, uh, you know, daddy can hold the newborn, you could make intentional plans or start working towards that where, you know, I'm going to uh, sit and read a book with my older child or I'm going to be in the bathroom during bath time. And so just think about, ways that you can have special things like can grandma come can um, I think when Asher was born Cassidy went with her aunt and uncle they took her out for like a 
few hours on the town, so to speak. So those are just things that can be a lot of fun for an older child. And especially, I think, if it can happen regularly. Like if grandma can come uh, take a walk or do an art time or something regularly or something for a time, that can be really helpful. Uh, And then one other thing that I think it's (laughs) last but certainly not least that I think is helpful when you're considering preparing an older child for a new sibling is actually to start mentally preparing yourself. And I think preparing yourself to be in mothering mode is the way that I was thinking about it. And this is not necessarily so much about preparing your child, but it's about preparing yourself because those early days are really intense. There's a lot going on with a new baby. And if you have an older child or children, their needs are are temporarily elevated and having routines in place and having made changes and having activities and having backup people can help. But they still, they probably feel that need to have that basic kind of clinginess and reassurance to themselves on an emotional level that mom still loves me, mom's still here for me, there's still enough of mom for both me and this new baby and my siblings if you've got more than one child. So I recommend that you anticipate that those first few weeks are really going to be all about mothering, not just about mothering your new baby, that's going to be the lion's share, but also about mothering your older child or children as well. Which just means take some time now while you're thinking about preparing your older child Also take some time to think about how everything else is going to run smoothly. And I've talked about this when I've I've talked about various other postpartum things. But think about how how am I going to handle meals? And how am I not going to go out of my mind trying to keep track of my toddler? So one of the things that I recommend to many moms, especially if you live in a large house or... uh, you know, maybe there's, you guys have rooms that you don't necessarily want your toddler getting into. I recommend taking a little bit of time to think intentionally about that right now. So think about what rooms can I close off? Where can I strategically place baby gates? I mean, I am all about holistic natural mothering, but I am all about baby gates when they preserve sanity. So um, what rooms am I going to be able to close off or how am I going to keep my toddler in a place that say I'm pinned down nursing my baby? Um, how am I going to handle the laundry? And where are these things that I'm going to have to keep my toddler happy? So maybe you're going to have a tub or a basket with books, with toys that's going to be easy to have around. And then another thing that I think is really important is thinking about how am I going to stay well rested. And I think one of the things that you should anticipate is that I'm probably going to need to nap at least in the early weeks with my baby, with my toddler. And if your older child is no longer napping, like if they're at a certain age, like elementary school age or higher, they can probably keep themselves busy with a book or with activities. But if you've got a toddler or preschooler who is no longer napping, you probably need to think about what is a safe way for me to be able to lay down with the baby and know that my toddler or preschooler is safe? So a playpen may or may not work depending on your child. Uh, I, I kind of like the idea of baby gating or closing off so that you're able to lay down um, on the bed or on a pallet on the floor, a futon or something with your baby and rest 
while your toddler is just kind of busy in the room about you. So that room has been at least temporarily baby and toddler proofed and is a safe place for your child. Or this could be something where grandma's going to come over and help me rest. But you're probably going to need extra rest. And if possible, I would start working now to teach your toddler basically that we have a quiet time or a nap time in the afternoon. So the two crucial systems again to think about are basically meals and laundry. And then do I have these things together? Have I made sure that my toddler or preschooler is going to have to be in a place that's safe, you know, close off other areas? And then how can I make sure I can get rest? Because when you take care of those things or when you've made arrangements for those things, it's a lot less stressful for you with baby care. And it also frees up your mind and your energy to be able to devote time both to your newborn and to your older child or children. So those are some of my best tips for getting your little one ready and excited about the new baby and also starting to think through what some of the realities of having a new baby um, along can be. Okay, so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. If you'd like to get more from me, if you'd like to get encouraging emails from me every week or find out more about what's going on on naturalbirthandbabycare.com, you can check out TrustBirth101. That's TrustBirth101.com to sign up for the newsletter and get more information on our pregnancy, birth, and baby resources. And I will look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.